May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. This week, I'm sure that all of us have seen, because of this terrible flooding that happened in Texas, all of us have seen dramatic scenes of people being rescued. People on top of their cars, surrounded by raging water, being carried to safety by those helicopter cables. Um, Elderly people being pushed through the halls of nursing homes as the water comes in, being pushed in their wheelchairs through the waters by first responders. Parents, children, taking their children to higher ground. And then what about those human chains that people made? What a dramatic thing to see as people reach out to one another and pull somebody to safety. And what we saw in that is that those folks who needed to be rescued They couldn't save themselves. They depended on somebody outside of them to rescue them. And what an image that is for us to understand that our God, the God that we worship, is our rescuer. And He delivers us from things that we could never deliver ourselves from. And I thought about those images as I studied our readings today, and particularly thinking about Exodus chapter 3 which is God's call to Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. The people of Israel had been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And Egypt was a great global power, the greatest power at this time. And the king of Egypt, the ruler of Egypt, Pharaoh, was the most powerful man in this region of the world. And so for the Israelites to be able to escape this bondage that they had been in for century after century after century, they were entrenched and connected to this Egyptian power. It seemed impossible for them to be able to do. And it was impossible on their own. But our text says that God saw the suffering. God heard their cry. And He saw the suffering. Verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of My people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. The first point that I want to make here about God being our deliverer is what moves God to deliver His people is His character. His character of compassion. God saw the suffering. He heard the suffering. And and it says, I know their suffering. And the word that's being used there has a sense of intimate acquaintance with the suffering of His people. And that moved Him to compassion. And the compassion moved Him to deliver His people. And then there's another aspect of the character of God that moved him to deliver his people. And that is that God keeps his promises. God is the great promise keeper. He's true to his word. Do you have somebody in your life who is true to their word when they say they're going to do something, when they promise they're going to do something? You can take it to the bank because you've seen time and time again that they come through on their promises. Well, of course, that is the character of the God that we serve, the God that we worship. He is always true 
to his promises. And God had made a promise to the people of Israel. And this is recited, this is cited just before this chapter. It says that in chapter 2, that the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help and their cry came up to the Lord and he heard their groaning and listen, he remembered his covenant. He remembered his covenant promises with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. He remembered these promises that he had made to the fathers of Israel, to the patriarchs of Israel, that he would be their God. They would be his people. He would establish from them a great nation. And this nation would bless the entire world. And now it seemed those promises were in jeopardy. They were an enslaved people. But we serve a God who keeps His promises and is faithful. And so He sent a deliverer. It's based on His character. What moves Him to deliver His people is His character. And so, friends, we need to remember that when we go through difficult times, when we go through suffering, God sees, God knows, God hears, God cares, God will intervene as our cries come up to Him. And God is faithful to all the promises that He's made. So that moves Him to deliver His people, His character. And then the next point is the means by which He rescues His people. The means by which he rescues his people is to send a deliverer. Now, God says to Moses, I've come down to deliver them. And maybe Moses was thinking at that time, great, we've been waiting for this to happen. You know, Moses tried to take things into his own hands. And he saw the suffering of his people. And he murdered one of the Egyptian taskmasters. And so God appears to Moses in dramatic, fiery fashion. And he says, I've come down to deliver my people. And maybe Moses was thinking, I certainly would be thinking, great, it's, it's about time. Do it. And then the Lord says, I'm going to send you <laughs> to Pharaoh to deliver my people. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and lead the people out of Egypt. You see, he sends a deliverer, a mediator, a go-between, if you will. And this is God's pattern throughout Scripture, is that He uses mediators. People who stand between Him, a holy God, and His people. Why does God use a mediator? Why does God use a go-between? Well, I think it's because God is simply just too holy and too transcendent and too powerful to deal with us directly. You know, we had an experience here in Missouri just a couple of weeks ago of observing the solar eclipse, a full solar eclipse. And our eyes are not made to behold the sun. Without protective lenses, our eyes would have been damaged. It's just too bright for us. So we had to use these goofy-looking glasses that we had to put on to watch this spectacular, awesome event but we're not made to behold the sun directly. Our eyes can't handle it. And in a similar way, God's holiness and God's power is just too great for us on this side of heaven to experience in an unaided, direct way. And we see, we get this sense of the awesome holiness of God and His presence in this passage, don't we? 
when the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush and the bush was burning and it wasn't consumed. And that's a symbol. The fire is a symbol of God's holy presence. And then what does God say to Moses? Take off your sandals for you are standing on what? Holy ground. Because our God is a consuming fire of holiness. But God called Moses then to be this mediator, this link between himself and the people of Israel. Moses becomes the deliverer for the people of God. And brothers and sisters, we have a mediator too, don't we? We have a deliverer, and that is Jesus Christ. God sent His Son, the God-man, to stand between us and the Holy God and to work our deliverance and our salvation. Jesus delivers us through His sinless life, lived in our place. Jesus delivers us through His sacrificial death on the cross for our sins. Jesus delivers us through His glorious resurrection. And in our Gospel reading, He makes it clear. Jesus Himself predicts His suffering and His resurrection in this passage. He makes it clear that this is why He came. It says that He began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Don't let anybody say to you that Jesus' death was an accident and that He was a martyr, a mistaken martyr for a failed cause. Jesus was very clear-eyed about what He was doing as He marched to Jerusalem. The cross was before Him and He said, this is what I've come to do. This is what I must do. And this is the way that we're delivered through the death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter said, wait a second, this isn't what I think the Messiah should do. Peter didn't understand that this was God's way of delivering us. But Jesus made it clear that's why He came. And this is God's means of deliverance. Let's think a little bit more about how Christ delivers us. Christ, our mediator. He delivers us from the penalty of sin. He delivers us from separation from a holy God. And in Jesus Christ, we are brought near into the presence of this holy God who is a consuming fire. We're brought near to God. In Jesus Christ, we're delivered from the penalty of sin. In Jesus Christ, we're delivered from the power of sin. Instead of sin being an enslaving power for the Christian, and we have no choice but to believe or to, to obey the sinful impulses. Instead of sin being an enslaving power through Christ and through the work of the Spirit, we're delivered. We have the power to overcome temptation and destructive habits. Not perfectly on this side of heaven, but progressively we can grow into holiness through the power of Christ. And many of us can testify how Christ has done that in our life. And we've seen that happen in the lives of other people. That destructive habits and addictions, they've been set free through the power of Christ. He's our deliverer. He delivers us from the fear of death. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, through death, he, Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. He delivers us from the power of death. 
He delivers us from a sense of despair and meaninglessness and hopelessness and how we need that message today that in Jesus Christ, he can deliver you from depression and despair and anxiety. I don't know if you saw this report that came out a few weeks ago about the rate of suicide among teenagers in the United States. It's reached its highest level in 40 years. And one of the factors, they said, and especially among girls, it's reached its highest rate in 40 years. And one of the factors, the report said, is that teens are increasingly under this pressure and this anxiety to prove something, to succeed, to show that they're worthy to the world. One headline about this report was titled, Dying for Success. You know what our young people need to hear today? Our teens, our sons and our daughters and our grandsons and our granddaughters and our nieces and nephews, they need to hear the message of God's unconditional love in Jesus Christ. They need to be set free from that burden of anxiety that your worth is not based on what you do. It's based on what God has done for you. That your worth is not based about, uh, on what people say about you, but about what God has said about you and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is our deliverer from these things. God, out of compassion, sent Moses to deliver the people of Israel. And now He sent someone even greater than Moses, His own Son, Jesus Christ, to be our mediator and deliverer. And so what is our response to these truths? That what moves God is His character. What moves Him to bring deliverance and rescue to us is His character of compassion and promise-keeping. And He sends a deliverer in time, in space, flesh and blood, to save us. What's our response to this? It's very simple. We need to trust God's deliverance. We, we need to come to a place of of absolute trust in God's way of delivering us and saving us. And I think there's a connection there between this trust in God as our deliverer and some of the things that we read in the other passages today. For example, look at the passage from Paul's letter to the Romans. Where he says in verse 19, Romans chapter 12, 19, Beloved, Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. Don't take vengeance yourself, but leave it to the wrath, the justice of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And then verse 21, do not overcome, do not be overcome rather by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't take things into your own hands. Don't take vengeance into your own hand. Trust that God will deliver the justice that you seek. Trust in God's deliverance. Trust, trust in God's intervention in this world. What an important message for us today. And then our Gospel reading, there's also this sense of justice that's going to happen one day. Will we trust that God will deliver justice to this world? Verse 27, the Son of Man is going to come with His angels, in the glory of His Father. And then He will repay each person according to what He's done. And then verse 28, I just want to touch on this because this is a problem verse for some people. 
we struggle to understand what exactly this means for Jesus says, truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. And right after this, Jesus is transfigured before some of his disciples and they see the glory of Christ. And I think that's a preview of his coming in glory. And when he comes in glory, there is going to be judgment. But the point I want to make here is that we trust that God, our deliverer, is one day going to deliver justice to this world. And that should alleviate some of our anxiety and some of our hand-wringing as we look and we see what's happening in the world today and we see the injustice and we see the violence and we see the terrorism and we see it over and over again on the 24-7 news channels. Sometimes we need to step back from all this and just remember God is our deliverer. God is going to make things right. And we trust Him to do that. Moses had to trust in God's plan to deliver the people of Israel, didn't he? You know, Moses said, and this is, this is the right response when God calls us to do anything in ministry. And God calls us all to ministry, doesn't He? Different kinds of ministries, but God calls all Christians, all baptized believers into ministry. And the proper response when you hear the call of God to ministry is what Moses says. Who am I? Who am I to do this? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and just say, excuse me, Mr. Pharaoh, Mr. Most Powerful Man in the whole world. You know these slaves that you've been depending upon, that you know the Egyptian economy is connected to this slave power? Would you mind, I know it's been 400 years, but would you let the people go? Um, who am I to do that, Moses says, to go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And that is the right response. Here's Moses. He's on the run. He, he, he's, he's at this point in his life, he's 80 years old. And he's been living in the wilderness. And he's on the run for the crime that he committed in Egypt. And so he asked the question, who am I, Lord, to do this? And then God gives the one prerequisite that matters the most when it comes to ministry. And it's simply this. I will be with you. I will be with you. See, it's not about who you are. It's who I am. And I will be with you. I will be with you. That's what matters the most. My presence, my power will be with you. This summer, we were at the Provincial Assembly uh, for the Anglican Church in North America, and one of the speakers there told this story, and I had a hard time not kind of going in the direction that he went with this when he talked about, you know, what if today in modern, if to put this in modern terms, how would we tell this story according to the wisdom of our culture today? And he said, you know, if we told it in today's terms, according to the wisdom of our culture, God would have said to Moses, when Moses said, who am I? I can't do this. God would have said, no, no, Moses, you can do it. You really got it within you. You're really awesome. You know, just take this DVD set that I've put out and you can discover the power that's within you. That's what the speaker said. Not only will you see fire in the bush, you'll be able to walk over the fire. In the bush. You've got the power within you. Well, God, of course, didn't say that. He said, what matters most, Moses, is not your ability. What matters most is my ability, who I am and my promises. And I promise to be with you. 
And Moses had to trust that promise. And then Moses says, now, if I go to the people and, and, and I go to them and I say, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? What shall I tell them is your name? And God says, tell them I am who I am. I am has sent you. So you go to them and say, I am who I am in Hebrew. One way to pronounce it is we don't really know the pronunciation, but it's Yahweh is a common pronunciation of this. I am who I am. That's the divine name. And Yahweh is the form of the verb. It's a form of the verb to be, to be. So one way of translating this could be just tell them I be sent you. But the verb also has this sense of continuous action. Continuous action. So you could translate it this way. One commentator said, I am the ising one. I am the ising one. Tell them the ising one has sent me to you. The point is, he is God. He has always been God. He will always be God. And this is the God who's going to deliver you. See, God is the IB. You and I are not the IBs. We're the maybes. We're the maybes because our life is contingent upon God. Every breath that we take depends upon God's gift of life. And you and I are not the ising ones. We don't generate our own existence. We are contingent upon God. But Moses is learning here that God isn't contingent on anything. That God is the author of everything. That He is the source of this universe. That he is the sustainer of this universe and that this God doesn't have any competitors. He has no rivals. Pharaoh's not the I am. The the so-called gods of Egypt are not the I am's. The army of Egypt is not the great I am. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he is the great I am. And so God is calling Moses to trust that the great I am will deliver him and his people. And brothers and sisters, This is what God is calling you and me to do today, to trust him, to trust that the great I am is our deliverer. God has sent us a deliverer, Jesus Christ, his son, just as Jesus said in Matthew 16, he suffered, he died. And then on the third day, he rose again. No, when the Romans buried him in a tomb, they thought that they were done with Jesus. The troublemaker was done for his body would decompose like everybody else's body. And that would be it of the Jesus movement. But the great I am delivered him. And in Jesus Christ, we're delivered too from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, from hopelessness, from meaninglessness, from despair. We have hope that God will one day make all things right because of Jesus Christ, our deliverer. So friends, just as Moses faced the Pharaoh, And Jesus faced the cross and the tomb knowing that the I am was there to deliver them. Let's face our suffering. Let's face our difficulty trusting in him and his promise to deliver us. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you are our deliverer. You are the great I am. We thank you and we praise you for many of us can testify even today how we have seen your deliverance in our life. And we thank you and praise you, God, that you have given us this testimony and this message to other people who do not have this foundation, who do not have this rock to lean on, to stand on in this life. 
Help us, God, to believe you and trust you more, to cling to you more, and to share our faith with others. We thank you that you are our rescuer, our deliverer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.